0: Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this now. This is now um, Tuesday. We are now on April uh, 14th. Is that correct, brothers? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes, this is, April, this, is, yeah, this is April 14th. It's uh, What a delight to be with you, and we want to welcome all our listeners. Wherever you find yourself, whatever part of this country or or the world that you find yourself and you're tuning in, we are so glad. We know it is the Holy Spirit that brings us together and the desire to hear God's word. And um, Just a few days ago on Saturday, we, we finished our series on the coronavirus 2020, and immediately two days later, well, let me say this. It was on Saturday that we finished our series, a 24-day series on the Coronavirus 2020, a day before Resurrection Sunday. And I believe the Lord had it that way. But yesterday, we woke up with the desire, as the Holy Spirit began to deal with all of us, with the desire to continue to come to you. And just yesterday, we started a new series that we have titled it, What's Next?, What's next? And it's interesting because, uh, the last few days from Sunday to Monday, people were asking, you know, when are you guys going to come back again? Well, here we are. (laughs) Here, here we are again with, with the word of God. And, And we are in expectation of what God has to say to us. Because now the questions that we are asking is, what is next? And so with that in mind, this is why we are, um, uh, beginning this new series and we, we thank you for joining us, and I hope you can stay with us because I know God has a fresh word for us today. Yesterday, as Brother Marty began to share from the book of Exodus, uh, one of the things that just stood out to me, my brothers, was, was that that passage that you read when Moses saw the burning bush and, and went close to it. and when And then when you read, and he turned to it, and it is when he turned to it, that the voice of the Lord came unto Moses. And that's very powerful because that's very symbolic of what is taking place today. There is a burning bush right now in this hour. And God is looking for people that will turn to it because there is a word that God wants to deliver to us. But what a joy
1: to be here with
0: you. Brother Marty, would you take it from here?
1: Amen. Praise God. It's always a privilege as always to to be together with you brothers and and to uh, welcome the listening audience from now all over, really. We've heard reports from New York to to LA to to Oklahoma to everywhere in between. So, it's quite amazing what God is doing and 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 we pray is bringing comfort and uh and some time of reflection as we find ourselves uh, in these most historic times. And and, and like Brother Jeremy said, uh, we we were speaking yesterday, and those of you who have your Bibles, I encourage you to go get them, because we're going to cover some things today in the Word of God that, that I I really know that most of you have never heard. But it is what God is saying. And it's not that it you haven't heard it because of, of, of various reasons. It's really that what we're beginning to see is that the word is being unlocked now in these last days, in this end time, in ways that it wasn't in previous generations. It, it it just simply means that the time is at hand. When God begins to unlock his word and begins to reveal out of his word his mysteries, his secrets, it is because we have entered the days that have been foretold from the times of ancient past, by the holy prophets and the apostles, and so when we say you're going to hear things, it's not that it's it's some new revelation because it's been in the Word; it simply has been right. concealed until now, and the reason that he ever brings anything forth or reveals anything is always to prepare his people It's always to alert them. We talked about Abraham that just before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, if you remember um, God said. Shall I withhold that thing which I'm about to do from my servant Abraham? In other words, I have to reveal to him. I'm going to reveal to him what is just ahead for many, many reasons. One of them was because Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be judged, and Lot, his nephew, and his family were in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God revealed to Abraham ahead of time what was coming So that he knew the response of Abraham would be to pray for his loved one, to intercede and to hope uh, by that intercession that God would rescue the city or at least as little as 10 righteous people, is what Abraham said, uh, the city would be spared. Of course, we know it would only be Lot, his two daughters and his wife, and the city would indeed fall under judgment. But the point is, is that God sent his angel after having revealed to Father Abraham the judgment was coming so that Abraham could pray. And the righteous uh, Abraham's prayer availed with God and his, his nephew and his daughters were rescued. And so when God begins to reveal or God begins to unveil something, it's always because he wants his people to prepare. He wants us to respond appropriately. He doesn't want that day that is just ahead of us to come upon us unaware. He wants us to understand what is just before us, and so that is why we've become begun this new series of podcasts. Because when we came to the conclusion of Easter Sunday, it really did feel like like okay, what's next? <laughs> what do we do now? Right. You know, because there right. is much yet ahead, right? Because the Bible tells us that this this uh, there are there are yet many many scriptures to be fulfilled as we enter into the days uh, that will culminate with the second return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so that is where we've been, that is where we are, and that is what we're discussing now. Now, yesterday we discussed that Moses had received his calling at the burning bush, like Pastor Jeremy was talking about. And we talked about how that Moses had to be taken out of Egypt, spend an additional 40 years in the desert in order to take Egypt out of Moses so that Moses would be fully prepared to go back into Egypt. In other words, Moses started as a prince of Egypt before he, and he leaves Egypt, God spends 40 years taking all that world out of him, so to speak, and causing him to become the most humble man on the planet, because that's how he's described, right, the most humble man who ever lived, except for the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, but Moses is a type of Christ, so God begins after Forty years in the desert, he appears to Moses at the burning bush, and we talked about that yesterday. It was at the bush that he received his calling. Now, we went through that, and we encourage you to go back to yesterday's podcast to to review that message, but it brings us to today, because after God reveals himself to Moses and then begins to tell him that he's been commissioned, that he's been called, and that his destiny and his purpose is now to go back into Egypt and to rescue God's people— to lead them out now this brings us to today's subject we're going to call it signs or the voice of the sign because that's really what god begins to tell him when he calls him to go and deliver the people moses as we begin in exodus chapter 4 verse 1 i'm going to read this scripture to you and listen to what he says after he receives his call so moses answers the lord and he says but behold They will not believe me, nor will they hearken to my voice. But they will say, the Lord hasn't appeared to you. So the first thing Moses does after God, I mean, think of this. (laughs) God reveals himself to him in the most magnificent way. He hears the voice of the Lord. God reveals his name to him. God tells him that he's going to go into Egypt, and he's indeed going to bring out an entire nation and return to the mountain of God when it's all said and done, and worship God at the very mountain where God first appeared to him. All of that is very symbolic. It speaks of the deliverance of the end-time church and the churches of all the ages. It speaks of how when, when Jesus returns and comes to get us, he's going to take us back to the mountain of God, so to speak, and there we will worship God. But Moses' response to this calling, because if you think about it, God gave him a specific message. Go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Go to my people and say, I have heard your cry, I have seen your affliction, and I'm now going to set you free. So he receives this message, but in verse chapter 4, verse 1, he, he mentions three things. He says, okay, God, that's good and everything, but Number one, they're not going to believe me. Number two, they're not going to even want to hear what I have to say. They won't listen to my voice. And then number three, they're going to say, Moses, God hasn't appeared to you. So what's really interesting to me is that all three of these things are in the mind of Moses. His thoughts on what the Lord had given him to preach caused him to reflect on his own insecurity and his own ability. He was sizing himself up and saying, I am, I am not equal to this task, right? And right. the message that it right, and the message that had been given to him was, Go set my people free. There's a lot right. of you out there right now that, you know, and preachers, especially preachers and, and saints of God you know you know that God is speaking to you about these last days, and you know that Jesus is soon to come and get his church. But there's something within you yet that, that causes you to reflect on yourself and not have the kind of faith necessary to say, yes, Lord, I'll go do this without question. And Moses was confronted with that on a much larger scale, right? I mean, we're not talking about witnessing to our neighbors here. We're talking about going right back into the darkest, most powerful kingdom on the planet to go deal with the with the satanically possessed Pharaoh to mm. come up against the magicians of the court, which were real occultists they weren't fake magicians yes. like like you'll find in Las Vegas or something you know these were real <laughs> dudes right they they were the, they were the the dark black magic of the ancient times. these were the guys he was coming up against not not only to mention that but but the entirety of the Egyptian army, which is at Pharaoh's command, and a Pharaoh who is gonna try everything he can to prevent the children of Israel from being let go. And all of this is, is very symbolic of what the book of Revelation talks about will be fulfilled in a much larger extent in our time. So we have to understand, it's not like Moses was weak. It's just the task was massive. And what he was about to do was to go and deliver a group of people that had been in bondage for over four centuries. And so the weight of it comes down upon him. And the first thing he's going to say to them, that what he says to the Lord, the first thing in reflecting on what he's got to go preach to them, he comes to the conclusion and says, they're not going to believe me. And you can't fault him for that, because if you dig into that kind of thought, what what you're going to find out is is he's coming up against a generation that has been so burdened and so put in affliction and so under heavy taskmasters of the day and the age in which they were living in. He's basically saying there is really... No sense in my own self that when I go and say this thing to them, that I'll even bear any fruit. They're really, really hard. And they're really, really dead. They really have right. been reduced down to the place where they have absolutely no inspiration to even latch on something. Right. Because of what they've been under. Were you going to say something?
0: No, brother. We're saying amen. That, that's true. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so, yes. So, so he says they won't believe me, in other words, there's no point of reference I have, even if I bring them this incredible news i'll sound like an I'll sound like a crazy man, you know I mean, I saw God, he told me this, I'm supposed to tell you that, and there all they can think about is surviving the day without being killed by an Egyptian soldier and so we have to understand the condition of the people has reached the point. At this time, and remember, this time of deliverance is a foreshadow of the end time of when God will come and rescue his children. He paints a picture of such incredible horror and a world that is completely and totally dominated by a satanic figure by the name of Pharaoh. We saw a hint of this when we talked about in our podcast of recent series where we talked about the covenant that God cut with Abraham. And it says that Abraham had to fight the birds off, off the covenant, right? And, and that that covenant was directly tied to the salvation of Abraham's children, both Jew and Gentile, a church in the future and the first church, which would be the children of Israel. And it says that a great horror of darkness came down upon Abraham and he had to he had to fight against that. And so it's that horror of darkness that the whole world is under to which God is saying go now into that world and speak to my people. And so when Moses comes up against that that call and he begins to realize what God is telling him, of course he's confronted with an assessment. He grew up around those people. He was there 40 years before. He remembers how cruel their taskmasters and slave slave owners were. He even tried to kill one and 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 was out of his Prophetic timing. He tried to kill one and liberate the people there, which only ended up causing him to flee before the devil—that is, Pharaoh—right into the wilderness for forty years. And so he's right. saying, "What are they like? What are they like now?" You know, because now we have a whole host of children that have been born in those forty years that are now grown up too. Their their fathers and mothers are older, and they're still under bondage. I come telling them now that it's time wow. for them to be let go. They're not going to believe me. Because life has a way, and cruel life has a way, this world has a way of affecting God's people to the point that he removes, that is the devil removes by the way that he works, all sense of ultimate purpose and destiny as revealed by God. And that is why we have such a hard time right now, even up under this pandemic, this coronavirus situation that we find ourselves in. That is why we have a hard time expressing that Jesus is coming to many, many people in the church. It's yeah. not even on their radar. They have for years and years and years been brought under a cruel situation of of word with no hope of messages with no proclamation of a future deliverance, Mm. and of a minimization of a God. When when Moses said, they're going to ask me, what's your name? In other words, it is so bad, they don't even know who you are anymore. And that is where we find ourselves right now, right? So we can't fault Moses. He's inspired by everything he's just been under. He's 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 surrounded by the Shekinah glory of God. God Almighty is talking to him. And yet, he's a realist in his own flesh, right? Because he says, this is a horrible situation that we're under. They're not going to believe me. And that is why we see that that in our time, we are seeing the same thing as we just said. Not only will they not believe me, he says, they will not listen to my voice. In other words, I can preach this several times. (laughs) They're not going to listen to me, and they're really going to get annoyed with me, he says, and tell me, you haven't heard from God. You have not heard from God. You didn't see God. God didn't talk to you. That's basically what they're going to say. And
2: so... It's uh, Brother Marty, and and you're talking about uh the generation of Moses that was in slavery did not know Jesus and and that's something hard to fathom for some listeners so there's some listeners that truly understand what we're saying there's some that find themselves with uh under preachers pastors or churches where they hear the maybe they do hear the name of Jesus right but what, what we have to understand is we have to identify what kind of Jesus and what message is the true Jesus Moving behind because if if you're listening, if you're listening to another Jesus being preached, then you are receiving another spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, "For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, notice someone will come and preach. Right? What Jesus is he preaching, whom ye have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, and um, that's that's powerful. Yes." Or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So uh, uh, understand this: understand this that there is a spirit that latches on when another Jesus is preached. What we're talking about here is the message that Moses preached is the mo is is the message that we should be expecting uh, during this Passover to come forth. Amen. What is that message? Yeah, deliverance yeah. is coming. Right and what he, you the just, Lord said I'm come down, Amen. Go
1: ahead, brother. Man, yes. and what is no? What is important is what you what you just pointed out is another message, another spirit. Because remember, when Moses actually came into Egypt uh, and he begins to he first approaches Pharaoh, when when Pharaoh gets angry and begins to to actually increase the burden on the people, right? But who brother. came and complained? Who complained about this? Check this out, brothers. When Pharaoh had 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 broken up the children of Israel into groups for dis- different tasks, different building programs, you know, planting and harvesting and taking care of all sorts of other stuff. But the building programs, especially where they had to build his structures and his monuments, he appointed Jewish leaders over the tribes the royal houses of, of an Israel long ago bereft of its glory that it once knew under a Joseph or a Jacob, so to speak, or the heads of the tribes. There was a lineage involved here. And when the, when the people proper were were engaged in this burdensome task, Pharaoh set their own people over them. And when Moses comes in, and the first sign of casting the rod down, right, that that swallows the the, the serpents, and and it heart, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He 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 actually causes the tasks to be increased. And who comes and complains to him are the heads of the tribes who are their masters, their own masters of their own people. It's it's mm-hmm. it's symbolic, if you can see it, right, of the kind of of of. You know the kind of flow that has evolved in our time. You know we have a yes. whole bunch of preachers that are, you know, that are that are ruling the ruling class, and they're they're just doing enough so that you don't bother them. It really doesn't matter that the people are up under such incredible intense satanic attack in our generation. I mean we'll take care of them. Right. You know, and and we'll let them eat a few little you know onions and fish or meat or whatever is in the pots of Egypt right and we'll just make sure and we'll we'll make sure they stay calm and quiet but when Moses comes into this situation he totally uproots the whole system and begins to yes. when they least expect it send a reverberation that reached all the way to the white house I mean all the way to the Pharaoh's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> That's right too though. <laughs> <laughs> so so the response, right? The response from the leadership was to attack Moses and to go complain to Pharaoh and say, Hey, we ain't we ain't part of this dude. Why are you putting tasks on us? You know, we've always obeyed you. We've always done our thing. You know, it's just Moses who came in here and did that. I mean, they they start to complain, and Pharaoh just says, Get out of my face. I mean, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see what happens. Right. So this is the situation that God sends them into. A leadership that's corrupt, a a house of Israel that's that's completely burdened in a world gone insane, and and a ruler on the throne that is full of the devil in a kingdom that is darker than any kingdom that has existed before it. Why, why do I say that? Because the Bible opens the Exodus story by saying that there was a Pharaoh that rose up that did not remember the God of Joseph, right? Because right. there was at one time, uh, there was a free flow of the knowledge of God within Egypt, which was blessing it. But oh, yeah. through the generations and through all the things that ended up happening, by the time we get to the Exodus story, we have a nation that once had a Joseph in it. There's no longer a Joseph in it. And there's a whole right, bunch yeah. of corrupt royal leadership that, is, that, is, that has surrendered their leadership uh, to a, a a satanic system, if you will, that has allowed them to live comfortably as long as they keep the people in line doing what they need to do. And it's a nation that doesn't know God. And that's why when Moses has God speaking to him, Moses says it out loud. He says, you know, I'm going to go to them, but they're going to ask me what your name is. Because the generation that was just about to be delivered had reached the point through the centuries now that had that they didn't even know the name of their own God. And that's what we're talking about. Many churches are filled with people that don't really know God. They think that they're okay with God because they're in the church house, or they, right. you know, they flick on a, a TV preacher every now and then, or they might give a few bucks to the local charity. They think that's God, but they don't know Him. And and it, and, and over time, over the last several decades, we have had a message of the imminent return of the Lord be replaced. With, with, a, with a message that all it has done is bring bondage and, and hook the people up to a, to a system that has so removed from them any inspiration that Moses would say, you know what, they're not even going to believe me. It's impossible. They don't even know who you are. And I come and tell them, you've appeared to me. They're going to say, what's his name? We don't even know who he is. You start coming to preach this? That the second coming of the Lord is at hand and that the signs are all about around us right now. And the church, by and large, is going to say, what are you talking about? Because right. they haven't been educated in the things of God. Now, let's quickly go to what does God say to him in response to that? It's really interesting. Right. And here's where we go. Because God says this. Moses you're going to go, and my people are going to be delivered. Yes, I get it. They're they're under this condition. But remember what Paul told us, and we had that scripture yesterday, that we are to study the things that happened to Israel in the first Passover, especially as it relates to us whom the end of the world has come to, and that we're going to see in that an unlocking of some very, very profound and mysterious things, and how God responds to Moses by what he's saying Uh, To him about the condition of the people They won't believe me They won't hear my voice And and they'll they'll say that I really haven't got a revelation from God God never appeared to me But God doesn't say yeah you're right No he doesn't say that He says in verse 2 This is how the Lord responds to Moses He asks him something Because what God is about to do He's about to give Moses Three signs He's about to give him three signs (laughs) And he says, these three signs, they're not for Egypt. These three signs are for my people. And so the first thing that he does to Moses is he asks him a question. He says, what is in your hand? So first he wants Moses to reflect, right? I want you to reflect Mm -hmm. on something. And as a matter of fact, Moses, you're holding it in your hand. And And the Lord is about to teach Moses something so profound and so mysterious. But I want you to listen to me, brothers. It is the very first thing that the Lord will reveal to Moses. And so it's going to have to be the very first thing that we're going to be revealing to the children of God in this hour in our time. The same message that was given at the first Passover is now being given at the last Passover, if you will, if you can hear, if you can see he begins to unveil to Moses how to talk to the generation that's going to be delivered. And so he first draws his attention to the staff that's in his hand because that's what Moses says, right? He says, he's, <laughs> the Lord says, what is that you have in your hand? And Moses says, I have a staff in my hand. Now remember, these three signs They're for God's people. What we're about to discuss real quickly are for God's people. And we might even get into it more tomorrow because this is so profound. And frankly, I know that it's a revelation from the Spirit and that God is now opening it up to us who can hear, to you that are listening. You've been with us now for 26 programs. It should be very, very familiar to you now how we are using biblical scripture to interpret biblical scripture. Now, remember, and I'm going to say it again, the very first thing that the Lord will reveal to Moses must be also in our time the thing that we begin to reveal to the people of God. We must begin to reveal to his people what God revealed to Moses. Now remember, these three signs are for God's people. They're not for Pharaoh. They're for God's people. So he asks him this. He says, Moses, what's in your hand, right? In other words, Moses... I'm getting ready to cause you to understand and reflect on something by the very thing that you have in your hand. What the Lord was about to reveal is an incredible thing, brothers. It's the same thing that he's going to revisit and, and reveal to our time. Now listen, Moses replied, I have a staff in my head. We have to ask ourselves first and foremost, what does that staff represent? cause remember Moses was a shepherd right so right. the chief the chief shepherd carries a staff in his hand it's an instrument it's an instrument to cause a task to be accomplished it also represents authority and the very thing by which the sheep of the field are 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 brought into the place that the shepherd wants them to be but then the Lord says something really interesting. After Moses says, "Okay, I have this this symbol of authority. I have this rod in my hand. I have this staff in my hand," and then the Lord says this. All right. The Lord says to him, "Cast it on the ground," and he cast it on the ground. And when Moses did this, it became a serpent. And Moses. Runs away from it. But then the Lord Mm. says to Moses. Put forth your hand. And take it by the tail. Mm. And then Moses puts forth his hand. He catches it. And it becomes a rod in his hand again. It becomes a staff in his hand again. Now first let me just say this. Because we're going to get at this real quick here. But what we have what we have been taught traditionally in the church <laughs> is that this is christ right he he fought, he's going to become a serpent and then he's going to take our sins and then he's going to raise from the dead or when when the rod was cast in pharaoh's court right it becomes a serpent and then pharaoh's guys do the same thing but that serpent swallows up all the all the serpents and then uh, they say well that's jesus he takes he swallows up all our sins isn't that right? Have you ever heard that?
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Okay. Well, I'm telling you right now, that's completely wrong. And it's it. it <laughs> and we're going to see why that is. Now listen, what God was revealing to Moses and having him grab it by the tail, remember what we're saying. And, and remember, think about what we've already taught in days before us. For instance when when Mary anointed Jesus' feet, and we talked about the feet being the last part of the body, right? so it's reflective of the last part of the body of Christ being anointed and being a glorious church. You can go back and review the podcast on that one. Well, the same principle applies here: Moses grabs the serpent by the tail, and so it's a signal, it's a symbol of something at the end now what it represents really is many things but let's consider the chain of events because what god was literally saying to moses by having and drawing attention to his staff is he was revealing to him that a staff which represents authority and which represents the task of ordering the sheep of the field, so to speak, or controlling and making sure everything's running smoothly, represented by the authority of the staff, it is then cast down to the ground and it becomes a snake. And what the Lord was actually saying was that there was an instrument of power, an instrument of control, an instrument of authority that got cast down to the ground and became a serpent it uh. was at the lord's command to moses that he casts it down and moses flees from it but the lord reveals by having him grab it the tail that in the end the serpent that you're fleeing from will no longer pose any threat to you in the end you will take back what the serpent became and it will be restored again into my hand or your hand representing you know a type of christ and the authority of it will be taken from him in the end now why is this important First, you need to understand you're not going to need to fear it, Moses, because in the end, its authority is completely going to be gone. It will be returned to your hand, and the serpent will be no more. The Lord was telling Moses the gospel story. Remember, mm-hmm. Moses is Moses is a type of Christ who was right. and is and is to come, right? The Lord said what? I saw Satan fall from heaven. The Lord told Moses to cast that authoritative rod to the ground. So in essence, Moses saw the staff fall to the ground and become a serpent. Understand, the Lord has put all these kinds of secrets in his word, but it is the Lord our God who must reveal these secrets to us, right? Deuteronomy 29, 29. He says, that they are for us and for our children, the things that God reveals to us, so that we might learn to obey the Lord. Now, let me ask you this question. That's one thing for me to say it, but but let's dig a little deeper here. How do we know that this staff that turns into a serpent is really speaking about the devil? Well, I'm going to show you something. It is found in the Hebrew words that Moses used when he wrote about this story because you know moses wrote the five books of moses right the torah <laughs> so he right. wrote the exodus god told him to write the exodus so how do we say that this staff is the serpent or represents the devil and that he fell from heaven well it can be found in the hebrew word that moses used when he wrote about the staff becoming the serpent check this out the word that Moses uses for serpent there in verse, what is that? That's verse uh, three, 3, where he writes and records that the staff cast to the ground becomes a serpent. The word serpent in the Hebrew is the word nakash. Nakash. You guys can look it up. The mm-hmm. word nakash, it, it's N-A-C-H-A-S-H. Nakash. That's Hebrew. Mm. It's a particular kind of serpent. And I'm just going to throw a nugget out for you right now. When Aaron cast his rod in the court of Pharaoh, and that rod eats up all those snakes that the magicians threw down on the floor, you know what I'm talking to you about?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Okay. It it wasn't Moses' rod, by the way. It was Aaron's rod. You go check me out. You read the story further, you know, and I think it's Exodus 7, verse 9. When Aaron cast his rod to the ground, the word that, that is used for his rod becoming a serpent is completely different than the word that is used for serpent here. And there's reasons why. The word for serpent when Aaron cast his rod to the ground is kanim, which means a completely different thing. And And, and we ain't got time to get into it, but it's a profound thing that God is revealing there. And then we'll get to the other serpent. Now listen. So what what Moses was identifying here was that when the staff got cast down to the ground, it became a nakash, or the nakash. Understand this. The the first place you see this word used, nakash, is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It's used to to describe the serpent and the tree in the Garden of Eden. It's the same exact word, nakash. So what Moses was trying to tell us was that God had revealed to him that the whole story, everything that he found himself involved in right now, had its origin in the ancient past when a tool of God represented by the staff in Moses' hand no longer became uh, that authoritative uh, holy thing in the hand of God, but something happened that ended up causing it to be cast to the ground and when it hit the ground it changed from being that authoritative staff in the hand of God to the serpent himself this is what isaiah is talking about when he says i saw uh, o lucifer son of the morning how thou art uh, fallen from heaven and has been cast down to the ground which what mm-hmm. did weaken the nations,
2: right? The nations. Mm-hmm.
1: So when Moses casts this thing to the ground, and it becomes a nakash, it literally becomes the devil. It's the same word as the devil in the tree. It's the it's the word used to describe Satan. Nakash, Genesis three one. Nakash in the tree, uh, Exodus uh, four uh, three. The nakash, the staff that becomes the nakash. He's he's telling the gospel story. And when you see it turn to a serpent, it says Moses fled from it, right? He runs away. Right. We're we're seeing Isaiah played out. How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, you've been cast down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Moses went from a position of strength to a position of fear and fleeing. He's representing the nations that fled. Listen. Hmm. The same word for the staff that's cast to the ground and becoming a serpent is the same Hebrew word, nakash, which describes the serpent in the tree. The Lord was revealing to Moses the ancient fall of Lucifer and how he became a serpent and that it weakened the nations, which is why Moses ran away in fear because since he was cast down, And revealed himself as the Nakash in the Garden of Eden, the serpent in the tree. All of humanity has been in fear of him. And all of humanity, in an essence, has fled from him. Why? Because he is that death angel. He is the one that exercises death and brings corruption and destruction. Now listen. The Lord was revealing the ancient fall. And why this is important is because the message, the first message that he begins to reveal to him is to get him to understand that this whole trip, Moses, this whole thing, the children of Israel that's grown into a nation that's in slavery, the, the, the plagues that are about to come upon Egypt, the lamb that's going to be slain and placed upon the lintel and the doorpost of the house, and your ultimate deliverance The whole thing is a result of what took place in the past. It started with an authoritative figure represented by the rod in your hand that got cast down to the earth and became a serpent, a nakash. It's the same nakash that was in the tree in the Garden of Eden. And this is what this is all about. You're going to deal with Pharaoh, who's a type of that nakash. He's a type of that serpent. He's possessed with the devil. And in the natural, you're about to do something that is going to affect the kingdom of darkness from now to the future and all the way to the dateless past. Remember, Moses flees from it because it represents the wicked nations, which were weakened by the fall of Lucifer, who became Satan, the Nakash, the serpent. But don't lose sight of this, brothers. Check this out because this is the real cool thing to me as well. The Lord had Moses pick it up by the tail remember the tail always represents the end of something and what he was saying and what he was revealing to those who have eyes to see because he declares the end from the beginning is this is coming to an end but it won't come to an end until the end of the serpent the tail and at that time you're no longer going to have to fear him because the authority is going to be taken from the serpent in the end of time, Hallelujah. And the, staff, the staff or the rod is going to return to your hand. Full authority will be returned to you. Remember, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who stripped him of his authority, right? And it will be the Lord Jesus Christ in the end, which is our time, who will return and take away the Antichrist, take away the beast, and take away the dragon in the sea and bind him for a thousand years in the bottomless pit at the end, at the tail of all things. I know your head's spinning. So remember... You guys are going to have to listen to this again. So remember, the Lord Jesus, I'm just teasing you, man. The Lord Uh, Jesus never identified himself. Remember this. The Lord doesn't identify himself with either Moses' or Aaron's staff. That's where people get it all mixed up. He doesn't identify himself as the Nakash. They always talk about that staff thrown on Pharaoh's ground as being a type of the Lord who became sin and swallowed up the other serpents. That's wrong. And I'll tell you why tomorrow, maybe, or maybe today, if the Lord allows, but that's wrong. What that really represented was that a dragon-like thing is going to come at the end of time and swallow up all the other kingdoms. That's for another day. Now, listen. Uh. God did not have his son identify with the staff of Moses. Or with the staff of Aaron. Remember this. The Lord taught Nicodemus something. Master Nicodemus. He taught him what he would be identified with. Remember in John chapter 3? I think it's verse 14. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent. Where? In the wilderness.
2: Right.
1: So, So the son of man must be lifted up. So let's just pause right there. Jesus identifies himself with a different serpent.
2: <laughs> right.
1: And with a and with a different thing that Moses did. He tells Master Nicodemus, I am this is this is what you need to understand about me. I'm not the staff in Moses' hand. That's a type of the devil who fell from heaven, mm-hmm. was cast down to the earth, and became a serpent which weakened the nations represented by Moses fleeing from him but who i really am he said is the serpent that moses lifted up in the wilderness and put on that pole this identify the the identifies with uh, the lord identifies with the serpent that moses lifted up what is interesting is what is found in that which the lord refers to uh, or 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 refers master nicodemus to and where you find that story that that jesus was telling master nicodemus about about the serpent lifted up in the wilderness you find that in numbers right 21 verse 8 when those people got bit by serpents remember the children of israel got yes, bit by serpents yes, they yes, were dying yes. because of their yes. sin well the word for serpent there in numbers 21 uh, 21 that bit the people of israel is the same word we were just talking about that moses used in exodus 4 it's the word nakash it's the same word that was used for the serpent in the tree in the garden of eden it's the word nakash when you guys that are listening get a chance, open to Numbers 21, verse 8, and when, or Numbers 21, and yeah. read the story. When you get to the part when the serpents bite the people, you'll see that the word for serpents there is the same word. Nakash, they were bitten by sin. They were bitten by the devil, and it cost them their life. That's what it's a type of. but Jesus I just confirmed doesn't... it, Brother Marty. Yeah, right?
0: I, I just confirmed it in Numbers 21, 9 the word and Moses made a serpent is the same word used which is nakash. And if yes. and in verse eight, the the definition for serpent is it's not nakash, it's another one. It's, it's seraph. seraph.
1: Yes. Excellent. So that's exactly right. What he was first identifying with is that Moses made this fiery seraph, which is where we get the word seraphim. The seraphim are those living creatures that fly before the throne room of God, remember? Yes, they cry, yes. holy, holy, holy. And they have four faces, right? The face of a man, the face of an eagle, the face of a calf, right? Yes. The face of an ox. They're the living creatures. They're the seraphim. So what Moses, what Jesus was telling Nicodemus mm. is is this is the serpent that you're supposed to identify with is the serpent that moses lifted up in the wilderness and the serpent and the word there is the word seraph. what jesus was literally saying is that the the four the the creatures that fly before the throne room of god having the four faces they represent the four gospels that the good news is going to be represented by the four gospels so he says make a fiery serpent and the word for serpent in numbers 21.8, like you just pointed out, Brother Jeremy, is the word seraph. It's a different word. It's not the nakash. It's the seraph. It's where we get our word seraphim. It represents the four living creatures that are flying before the throne room of God. What Jesus was saying was those four living creatures, which represent the four gospels, which represents the story of salvation, that's what I identify with myself with. And then when you get to Numbers 21.9, it changes from Seraph to Nakash, because that's what Jesus was saying. I'm first coming in the form of the gospel, but what the gospel is preaching is that I will take upon myself the form of a Nakash. I will take upon myself the sin of the world, Nicodemus. And so, for the let's, let's, yes.
0: So, so in this first sign that we're talking about, on uh, with, with where the rod became a serpent, uh, he was God was uh, giving uh Moses, the Gospel, and it's yeah. telling him of uh of, of what happened in the beginning right yeah. and Satan yeah. was- Lucifer was cast down down onto the earth yeah. right and yeah. and initially there's a reaction of of fear that comes, but yeah. in the end, when he tells them to get it by its tail, it's telling them is the authority that is given back. If, that, yes. if, that, if that's the way to say it back to us, not to be afraid. Yes. Not yes. to be afraid,
1: and and the tail representing the end of time. You never grab a serpent At by the a tail, brothers. Right. You don't grab a serpent by the, by a tail. You always grab it by the head. Right. Right. So right. What right. this is what this is symbolic of by is that yes. Not only will not only has it happened before he's telling Moses where the serpent was cast down to the ground, but it's also going to happen in the end of time. If you know your bibles, then you know the Revelation. book of Revelation in Revelation chapter 12 says, "Woe to the inhabitants of the world for the devil has been cast down to you," right? Right. right. And he knows but he has a short time. And that is where the fear of Moses comes in in its prophetic fulfillment in the end of time. Because it's going to be a frightful thing when the devil comes back down to the earth having been cast out the final three and a half years of human history just before the coming of the Lord. And it's going to be a fearful thing. But God says, but put your hand and grab it by the tail because it's at the end when his authority will be completely stripped from him and that rod in your hand which became a serpent will be returned to you as authority again all things are going to come under subjection to the hand of almighty god moses representing the lord himself right jesus and he's right. going to deal with him and in the end he will fully strip him from all his authority O oh, death where is your sting right and he says right. when this happens it is so that they may believe verse five that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. And what he's saying to the preachers of our time is that when you begin to reveal these truths in their depth to the people of God, I am going to put a special anointing upon it and begin to reveal things that are so profound that there will be no other conclusion for my people but to say God is speaking and indeed has appeared unto you. This is an extraordinary insight. This is an extraordinary... Marty, yes.
0: This also reveals a power struggle that, you know, when when, when Moses pulls out the serpent and, and then the other magicians do theirs, right? A power struggle that has been going on that Revelation speaks about, a war, right? A, a, a war that is in, in heaven. That exists right now that is pouring out into the natural. Right?
1: Yeah, but remember, Which, brother, it, that's another thing, is that is that it wasn't Moses who did that. It that was Aaron. Aaron. That's right. Yeah.
0: Right, you did say that.
1: Yes. Well well, let's look at but, let's look at it since since you brought it up, let's look at it. In in Exodus chapter seven, verse nine. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh will speak unto you, saying, Show me a miracle. Then you will say unto Aaron, take your staff and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. Let me tell you something. We do not have time to get into this. But what you are really seeing is what will become a foreshadow of what will become a global system when the dragon himself comes and swallows up all the other systems and becomes one thing initiated by a symbol of the high priest we don't have time to get into all this i'm telling you but it is good that we that we went over there and quoted it now remember let's go back to the first sign right because this is an extraordinary insight that the lord is giving to moses and is now revealing in our time it's the same thing we need to Uh, begin to minister to the people and the people are going to hear from God that what you're going through now and what you're about to go through which will bring you out the other side welcoming the Lord Jesus Christ your deliverance is at hand you have to be anchored in understanding that this is all playing out from the ancient past to the present and the immediate future all of it is tied together and if you don't understand this first expression Then you'll be absolutely lost you won't really get it this then gives way to the second sign that we see in in chapter uh four verse six and seven what is the second sign that he gives moses it's the sign of the leprous hand right he says take your hand put it in your bosom he pulls it out and it's a leprous hand verse six and seven he then says put it back in and it'll become a clean hand we know that what this is speaking of Is the gospel, because he he reveals to him first, like we talked about, a rod that's cast down to the ground becomes a serpent. Moses flees from it. We've already been over that. Then he tells Moses, pick it up by the tail. And, And by the tail, he's representing to us that in the end of time, this serpent will be done away with and authority completely restored to the children of God. He stops there. And he says, This is the thing that will convince everyone that the Lord's appeared to you, right? So the second sign he gives him is this the leprous hand that becomes a clean hand, right? And and what that right. speaks of is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, because Jesus would become leprous for us. And it's it's Moses' right hand because the bosom is where the heart is. And so Moses sticks his right hand in and it comes out and it's leprous the right hand of god for instance is the lord jesus christ and he's trying to talk to moses because moses is a prefigure of that prophet that was to come the lord jesus christ and so he's saying look the right hand is going to become leprous this is how we're going to be dealing with that rod that was cast to the ground that became a serpent that will become uh, no more right he says i'm going to do it by causing an the right hand, which is my son, to become death or leprosy. I'm going to bury him, putting him back into the bosom, right? And when he emerges, he won't have leprosy anymore. He'll be the right hand of my power. He'll be fully resurrected and free from the penalty of sin, which he took upon himself for you all. Ah. Praise God.
2: Amen. He he who knew no sin became sin. Yeah. uh, That we might be called the righteousness of God. Amen.
1: Now, listen, but if we dig deeper, we're going to see something else. Remember what we're talking about. We're, we've been talking about our Passover at our time quite possibly being a signal to us to look at the very first Passover because the two are very much similar in the events that have taken place. And it could very well be that the Passover we just went through has a signal to us of what is just ahead and that our deliverance, the coming of the Lord, is at hand. Let's dig a little deeper because the pattern that was revealed to Moses is this. The first sign, remember, in the end, the serpent will no longer be a threat. It's a staff that becomes a serpent that's grabbed by the tail and returns to being a staff. We already talked about that. The second sign is the leprous hand that becomes the clean hand. This represents, brothers, the last days. The leprous hand Represents the dead in Christ. Now remember, we're talking about the last days. We're talking about the first Passover that culminated with the children of Israel being liberated, being delivered, and being brought to the mountain of God where they will worship God after crossing the Red Sea. So digging a little deeper into this sign and connecting it to deliverance at the end of time, we see a hidden, veiled, if you will, reference to the dead in Christ represented by the leper's hand. And when when it's pulled out, it's a clean hand representing also our resurrection, our forgiveness, our new body. Remember what the Lord says about these signs in verse eight. And let's read it real quick. Can you read it, Brother Jeremy? Do you have your Bible or do you want me to read it?
0: Yes I do. I sure sure do. And it shall okay, come four, to eight. pass. Okay. It says and it shall come to pass that if they will not believe thee neither hearken to the voice of the first sign that the first they will sign. believe that they will believe the voice of the latter
1: sign yes now stop so he talks about the beginning and the end right right <laughs> and he calls it the latter sign but he says something really interesting he calls these signs the voice of the first sign the voice of the latter sign now check this out mm. The voice, the word voice means to shout and to cry aloud. So this is why, remember, this is last day's prophecy we're talking about, and the first Passover representing representing our deliverance according to the book of Revelation at the end of time. And so the first sign which is indicated is that something from from above is going to be cast down. Just like in the book of Revelation, Satan will be cast down to the earth, just like Moses' staff was cast down to the earth. It's an indication that we've entered the final three and a half years of the tribulation period. Y'all are going to have to study all this stuff. So, listen. so then it's at the end of time that, that his authority will be taken. And that's represented by Moses grabbing his tail and that and that thing turning back into an authoritative instrument. It's all under the power and control of the Lord by this point. But in the midst of that outworking, he says, there's the voice of the latter sign. And that, that voice means to cry aloud. And that's why it can also be identified as the dead in Christ, represented by the leper's hand. They will die, but there'll be the voice of the latter sign. Will They'll come out of the grave, no longer dead, but fully cleansed, fully alive, and to meet the Lord. They've become one with the Lord. Now, he says in verse 9, it shall come to pass, if they will not believe these two signs, and neither will they hearken unto your voice, then you do this, he says. He says, take water out of the river, and it shall become blood. Thou shalt take, listen, verse 9, it shall come to pass, if they will not believe these two signs, neither hearken unto unto thy voice, that thou shalt take water out of the river it upon the dry land and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the earth or blood upon the dry land now listen what is literally being revealed here is the pattern that scripture reveals in the book of revelation we're told that the serpent will be cast down to the earth we're told that he goes and makes war with the saints moses flees from before it. But we're also revealed that in this very act, by grabbing the tail, it is a signal to us that the end of time has come. And it will, the authority, be restored to its rightful place in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, prefigured by Moses in this story. Then the second sign, which is called the latter sign, is a sign of a hand that is leprous, representing death, that will be buried but then removed out and brought back, no longer dead, but fully alive, represented by a clean hand. The Lord calls it a voice, which means to cry aloud, which is exactly what the book of Thessalonians says when it says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with what? A shout and the what? Voice. Of the archangel and the trumpet of God the dead in Christ the lepers, hands <laughs> will rise first <laughs> and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to God in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be wherefore comfort you one another with these words and then he says okay so in essence is he hiding there the rapture of the church because he says if they don't believe these two signs they're going to believe this last one now if those first two signs culminate with us rising from the dead and being caught up with the the Lord in the air, then it would make sense, this this last and final sign. Because that's really when all attention is being turned to Israel, if you know your Bible. You know, the church is going to be caught up. The church is going to be taken away. There's going to be a voice. We're going to go from being dead, represented by the leper's hands, to being alive, represented by the hand coming out of the bosom, completely clean. And then all of a sudden what's what's left is is this. If that's the case and the pattern holds true, then what's being revealed here is at the end of time there's going to be a a resurrection from the dead, and then comes the wrath of God. Listen, that's what this represents in verse 9. It shall come to pass if they will not believe these two signs. And I hope you're following along in your Bibles. And it shall come to pass if they will not. And not you guys, but those of you guys listening. And it shall come to pass if they will not believe the two signs, neither will hearken to your voice. You're going to now do this. Take water out of the river, pour it on the dry land, and the water will become blood. The water you take out of the river will become blood. Listen, what does this represent? The wrath of God. Why is that? The river from which they took the water out was the river where the innocent lives had been taken. Remember, they threw all the male children into the river. It represents the persecution of the church. It represents the blood of the martyrs. It represents the blood of the innocents, not only in their time, but in our time for a persecution is coming. But listen, there's going to be retribution for it. And that is symbolic of what God has Moses do. He says, I want you to take that water out of the river. And then I'm going to want you to pour it onto the ground. It represents the final outpouring. It's as if God takes all the blood that was shed in that river and and, and all the blood that cries out to him for vengeance. And he says, I'm going to take it out of that river and I'm going to pour it out. And when it hits the ground, it's going to turn to blood. That is representative of the wrath of God. It's God's ultimate judgment being poured out. The three signs speak of this, of the tribulation, of the serpent coming to the earth, of the dead in Christ rising first, and then comes the wrath. And God was saying all of this on the very first Passover. And these were the signs by which he was to speak to his people. And these are the signs, and this is the message by which we are about to hear brought forth unto God's people now. Those who receive it and will understand it shall be saved. Those who do not will be subject to the water pouring out upon the earth, turning into blood, the wrath of God. The choice will be each individual's choice. Now, I want to close with this because that's how God sent Moses. He sent him with all three of these signs. He sends him to his people. These were signs meant for God's people. And so Moses is like going, I I can't handle this, right? But God says, go in verse 12, I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to say. Saint of God, don't worry about what, what, what you think your abilities are, because if you line up with this message that God is revealing in his word, he's going to teach you what to say and he's going to put his words in your mouth and they will bear fruit. Let's close with this. In Exodus chapter 3, at the end of Exodus 3, God tells Moses something really cool. He says in verse 19, I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. But I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'm going to smite Egypt with all my wonders. That's the type of the coming tribulation period. That's the type of the loosing of the seals. I think we're already entering into that, which I will yeah. do in the midst thereof. And he says, and after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. But every woman shall take of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, jewels of clothing. And check this out. And you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians. What God was saying to Moses, and he he had already revealed to him this, he said, look, he says, the elders, really, they're going to come out with the younger. But in a way, by having him say, put the clothes on the children, put the earrings on the children, give the silver and the gold to the children, what he was saying is this first generation is not going to be able to make it. They're going to come out with a measure of deliverance, but it's that last generation that will be clothed with silver and gold and and beautiful rubies and, 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 and wonderful clothes. It's symbolic of that glorious church. It is our time. We are the sons and daughters, and we are the ones that are about to go out of Egypt into the mountain of God. Can you say amen?
2: Amen. Amen. Wow
0: much tremendous, to chew
2: tremendous on tremendous revelation yeah to to digest um but it's exactly the pattern right that, that that holds true If you take the same template to the book of revelation um and in particular revelations chapter 12 we, we see the the dragon is cast down and with his tail he drew a third part of the angels uh It's it's the same dragon, the same serpent that appeared in the beginning and rebelled in the beginning that will uh, manifest himself on the earth again. And and God has some unfinished business, right? And and we're seeing that the Bible also says that we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And even even if it it meant to give up our lives, and so we yeah. see the Passover mentioned there. And and again, if, if we do not receive the Passover, uh, where this, the Lamb of God took the wrath of God for us, then those who don't receive him, the wrath of God will be poured out on them. It was yeah. such right. a supreme sacrifice that Jesus pays. He doesn't want, right? He's not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. But
2: that's what's coming when you reject the Lamb of God and line yourself up with that old serpent. Uh, and that's what's taking place right now. That's the message that's going forth right now. This is what's coming to the earth. This is beyond me and you. This is something yeah. that took place before the foundation of the world. All right? This is coming to planet earth this showdown if you want to call it. Right? Because that's exactly <laughs> what it was between Moses and yeah. Pharaoh. It's a picture yeah. of what's coming. Right? Yeah. And, and 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 the whole nation, the whole world, right, is going to be uh a spectator to this thing. And we're already seeing glimpses of it right now. The yes, earth is we are. being shaken. Uh we're in the midst of this pandemic. You need to listen some of the things you said, and in particular that that last little nugget you threw in there that Lord told, uh, told Moses, to the people to to uh, uh, to give to prepare the children to clothe them, which speaks of an yes. end time generation. That was powerful right there. And I, I challenge the listener to go listen to this again. Uh, and, and you will be blessed. Powerful stuff. Praise God.
0: Yes, and 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 here's the comfort in all of this. Something you pointed out in verse eight in chapter four, brother Marty, of Exodus, when he says, "It shall come to pass that if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign." And that voice, to me, also represents what you said. It's it's a proclamation. God never leaves Himself without a witness. Yes and that voice is it's the proclamation that's that's what's taking place right now it's God is showing this is going to happen. Get ready, He's warning us he's telling us these are the signs that he's putting and and yes, these templates this template does fit what we're saying here the warning that God is giving the voice of the first, and if they don't, they will believe the voice of that latter sign so God is speaking to us let us heed, you know, take time after this, go back, listen to this. And I know more and more God will reveal unto all of us what he is telling us. He declares the end from the beginning. So we're so grateful for this study. And we pray that you join us back again tomorrow. To all our listeners, we pray that you're blessed. And we pray that you can meditate and chew on what God has taught us today what the Lord has showed us today uh, through his word. May God bless you. May God keep you and keep looking up.